And now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on today's experience. It's wild and wonderful. What's going to happen? We have no idea. Let's sit back and enjoy the ride. Can I get a Wowser Bowser Wednesday? Because God is in charge of this crazy bus called the Christian Journey. First, so many times the Holy Spirit, through the scriptures, through our conscience, through his fellowship with us, calls out our missing of God's marks. And from time to time, we see the worst people in the universe get away with so much. It's enough to make our blood boil. But we need to be wiser than fools. Next, I can share with you the truth of my own pride. I say to God without using words, I am more righteous than these losers. I am more honorable than these scumbuckets. I am more earnest in my pursuit than those who sit on their blessed assurance. And then the Lord reminds me that I am only more righteous through Jesus. And apart from him, there is no good thing in me. And finally, so I long for the answer key to sustaining when I want to quit. I'm looking for that thing to keep me going. I'm not alone. The scriptures are filled with great men and women who have the same thoughts, and the answers for them are the same answers for you and me. If I don't understand the value of authentic fellowship, I'm never going to get it. We examine God's twofold practical solution. What? A twofold practical solution to answer our inward screams. David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing. Politics, entertainment, and current events, which is kind of like, yuck. Personal revelations, spiritual observations, my life's insanities, and oy vey, so much more. Hey, 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 we're asking you, what do you think? Now, you can email us, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. You can text us at 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. Or you can call us at 972-445-0770. That's 972-445-0770. When you call that number, Amazing Jen will answer the phone. It's like winning the lottery. There you go. You like that one? That's a good one right there. (laughs) And if you win it, you have to share it. I'm just saying. Uh, Bottom line is you might have a thought, an opinion, a comment. You might have a question. You might have something that you're trying to just bounce off other believers. You may have a praise report or a prayer request, perhaps even an answer to Bible trivia. Bible trivia, Dave? Yeah, like this. Which apostle was with Peter when Peter and that apostle healed a lame man at the temple gate called Beautiful. Which apostle was that who was with 
Peter. If you think you know the answer, you can call us at 972-445-0770. And you can also text 214-210-8483. And as well, you can send an email to david at hemustincrease.org, which leads us to the website, which is a place to get the book, a good place to give, a place to look at some of the videos, listen to the audios, check out some pictures, and have some fun. Hemustincrease.org. Website, he must increase.org, he must increase.org. Email David at he must increase.org. Facebook, he must increase ministry. YouTube, he must increase ministry. Okie dokie. Now, don't forget any topics open for conversation because it's not professional radio. I mean, we've done almost 600 shows. I could tell you 599 have not been professional. <laughs> I think we did have one professional one, but I'm not sure. I think it was a replay, and we probably just fixed it up or something. Anyhow, the show's across between Steve Martin, John Hannity, and Focus on the Family. So if you're not used to it, just buckle up, little campers, because uh, this is how we do it. Again, the trivia question, not making it complex, obviously. Which apostle was with Peter when he healed a lame man at the temple gate? called beautiful if you are not sure i will at this point give you a reference because that makes it a little easier for some people to look it up and i would rather have you look it up than just ignore it it is in acts chapter three okay okay there you go uh we got that we got that we covered that i think we're good okay uh so if you call in we will uh answer the phone if not we will do our best to remember to answer trivia towards the end i want to talk to you about something that happens to a lot of us so many of you are familiar with the story of ruth i want to read you ruth chapter 1 verse 19 through 21 so the two women went on until they came to bethlehem when they arrived at bethlehem the whole town was stirred because of them and the women exclaimed can this be naomi Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. That sentiment, that portion that is talked about within the scriptures is something that many people experience. Just so you can know, Mara, the word, Mara means angry, bitter, chaffed, discontented, or heavy. And it makes you think every once in a while, now how come, Lord, you're putting me through these various trials and tests, talked about tests in the last segment, and I'm getting through, sometimes by the skin of my teeth, so to speak, And the guy down the road who doesn't like you at all wins the turkey prize every time. I mean, this just does not seem fair. Right? Don't be in denial of truth when the Lord kind of talks or challenges or the Holy Spirit goes, "Eh, eh." nothing that you have down inside of your system, hidden away in your arteries, underneath your chest, underneath, back by, by the lower part of your heart, nothing in you is unknown to God. Nothing. Not one thought, not one feeling, not one body act, nothing. You can't be omniscient and not know everything. Not possible. So the idea is to understand that there is this 
really sour bitterness that kind of creeps up from time to time when we look at the stuff that we have to go through, the process of God making us to look more like Jesus, which is our prayer, by the way. We get saved and we go, oh, I just want to be like you, Lord. And the Lord goes, okay. (laughs) And then he starts making you look like Jesus, which means that you too have to become acquainted with suffering. Sorry, that's the prayer you prayed. God's still answering it. You can't change that. And so what happens, though, is that sometimes it gets frustrating. I'm just doing that honest thing. And you just say, and when that frustration comes, this this process that Naomi, it's not that she doesn't believe in God. She absolutely believes in God. She's just hurt. And we get hurt. And I, I understand that people are like, well, why would God let us be, you know, why does God do this? And why does God do this? And I don't understand. It's like the most basic answer to your question is exactly what you said. You don't understand. You don't know what he's doing. You don't know what the plan is. You Nobody knew ahead of time that when Lazarus died, God's whole setup was to raise him from the dead so more people would become Christians. Nobody knew that. Not even Martha and Mary. And by the way, Mary was pretty close to Jesus. Nobody knew what was going on. God had a different plan, didn't he? God had a different plan with Joseph when Joseph was sold. Bummer for Joseph. Gets falsely accused of rape. Bummer for Joseph. Gets tossed in prison. Bummer for Joseph. Then gets forgotten about for three years. (laughs) What did he do? Nothing. What was God doing? Setting up the safety of a nation. Did he talk to anybody about it? No. He did give a dream, but nobody really understood what that meant until it happened. Remember Saul? You have to before he became king, what was he looking for? He's looking for the donkeys, right? What did God say to Samuel? I'm sending you a king. If you would have asked Saul, what are you doing? He'd be, I'm looking for donkeys. If you'd ask God, he'd say, say, I was sending a king out for Samuel to, to anoint. What I'm trying to say is our perspective, our engagement is so limited in understanding. It's so tight. It's so finite that the frustration pushes forward. And at least you think this is unusual, this is recorded throughout scripture. God's not only aware of it, he identifies for people that this is how it's going to seem or feel, even if that's not the totality of what's going on. He doesn't do that for nothing. He does that for a reason. All right, now we got somebody calling in. Unfortunately, we have to make our break. So I'm going to wait to answer the trivia. And uh, maybe they can hang on, but I can't break in now. So we're it's too late because we're going to take our exit, and then then we're going to go from there. So stick with us. We'll do the trivia on the on the backside. Okay. So hopefully the person will hold on. You're uh, listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the Truth Station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. 
Here we go. Let me give you an update on Easton Scott. A lot of tough stuff that my daughter and my son-in-law have been going through. Uh, I did send an email out. I don't know if, Julie, if you got the email or not. I did. send it out to everybody. So he was going through 20 and 30 seizures per episode, and they've got that down to a dramatically less amount. But the sad news is that from a medical point of view— uh, Easton does not, it does not appear as, according to the doctors, that he will be able to speak or will be able to care for himself. Oh. And so what the result of that is, is that Julianne and Jared, my son-in-law and my daughter, have recognized that God has put them in a position to be the best parents to love Easton Scott with all that they can and give them the best life that they can. But while that's going on, they're not going to stop believing that something can change. And the doctors even said... This is territory we don't even know. Right, because this, this is a problem that not very many people have had. So Very few. Everybody is different. Yeah, and, they're, and they're, they have like 230 total cases in the world that they have records on, which is like, so they're like, we don't know. Right. And it's like, so I, I just want to read this one thing my daughter wrote. It's a fantastic. She wrote this, uh, you know, it's not easy to sit there and write a Facebook post that tells all the things you've been going through. And so I'm not going to read everything, but I'm going to read the last paragraph because I thought that was really significant. She wrote, scientifically, Easton does not have much of a chance. His best case scenario is he may possibly be able to walk and say three to five words one day. But God can help him. He's not afraid of impossible odds. And if Easton is healed one day, there will be no question as to where it comes from. It will not be because of therapy. It will not be because of medication or diet. It will be because of God's undeniable healing power. So in the meantime, we choose to raise a hallelujah and trust in God. Ladies and gentlemen, that is faith. Now, the the idea that it's going to be simple and everything's going to be great and they're trying to make pie in the sky, that doesn't exist at all. If you read this, and, and I think Wonder Julie can attest to it, she tells you this is ugly. This, right. this is a not a good situation. It's going to change our lives. He's never going to be able to be unattended. It doesn't look good. And, you know, as a parent, you're heartbroken. They have two other children. They don't want to have any loss in their communication with their kids, but they're going to have to give extra attention. They were going to have a fourth child. They're not sure they're going to do that now. So you got a lot of things in play. But what you can't deny is that my I, I will take I won't take credit, but I'll stand in there as a grandparent and as a parent and say, what a fantastic position of faith that my daughter has grown into. She has made the determination that she will do the best that she can as a human being to give this child the best life she can, and she will not quit hoping. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Now, our very own Mary has been hanging on the line for about three minutes. Boy, that's just brave. And we're going to put her on. I think she had a comment, so we're going to give her a chance real quickly. So here we go. Ready? Hello. Is this Mary? This is Mary. Hi, Mary. How are you? I had some com- a comment or two to make. Now, um, I just turned on the radio, and I heard you talking about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Now, uh, when we read, you know, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Now, when he spoke to Martha about that, Martha didn't really understand. She really didn't understand. She really didn't answer that question. She went on to say, yes, Lord, I know that he'll be raised at at the last time, at the end. Okay, but but um, Jesus wanted her to understand that that he was the one who resurrects people from the dead. And, and I really understand that verse, I am the resurrection and the life. That's okay? right. When, when we die, when we die, and, and, and uh, before he comes back, when he comes back, you know, it says the dead in, in Christ will rise first, and then the rest of us will be caught up in, into heaven. That's, that's at the rapture. That's at the rapture. So um that okay, that's exactly I... that's exactly right. You said the most probably most important thing was in the very beginning of what you said. Actually right off the bat she, you said that that you know Mary uh, Mary didn't get it. She didn't get what was going on. It's like exactly. See, that's the thing is that God does stuff yeah. and people are like going, "Uh, what's this? Uh, I don't get it." And it was and Martha. Yeah, it was Martha and, and, Martha and, yeah they actually they both did it. They Mary. both said the same thing. They uh, said if you'd have been here, if yeah. you'd have been here. <laughs> exactly. Another thing I wanted to bring up now with Joseph. You know, he had these dreams. Yep. And if if the brothers ever thought about it later, after they were in the land of Gosha, then they would understand. Oh yeah, he had those dreams, and we bowed. In his in his dream, we all bowed down to him. Right, and you know what? And, Let me tell you what's amazing about that. Even Joseph, though, when the dream when it happened, when his brothers were bowing down, there is a realization when something that God shares with you, when it actually takes place, your brain goes, "Aha." I get it. Now you get it because you didn't kind of know where it was going. The Lord told them ahead of time. I kind of squeaked in a really fast. I'm not sure they understood it, but, you know, until it happened. So Jesus said, I tell you these things so that when they happen, you may believe. Because once they happen, you go, aha, aha, now I get it. Excellent job, Mary. Very good on the comments. Wait a minute. One more thing. Okay. I, I listen to Don Crawford. You know, he comes on at noon. Okay. He was very he was very good today, and I just want to remind those who don't listen to him at noon at twelve o'clock to tune in because um, I thought his message today was excellent, and I would like for everybody to hear it. Okay. You got it. Excellent job. All righty. Thank you, Mary. All right, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye for now. <laughs> She's so cute. All right, so that, see, that's our show. We plug other shows. <laughs> that's what we are. That's what. All right, uh, so I didn't answer the question because I wanted to make sure. I didn't know if Mary was going to try and answer the question. Uh, which apostle was with Peter when he healed the lame man at the temple called Beautiful? That would be John, the apostle John. And in fact, if you were listening on Thursdays, you would know it's John, and we'll be talking about that tomorrow. Just giving you guys a hard time, but just remember, I love you. All right, uh, <laughs> let's see. The next, next trivia question, the next uh, Bible trivia question. Who was. Oh, there. That's right. I like that. Here's your next trivia question Who was the first Christian martyr? Who was the first. 
Christian martyr. There we go. I don't know the people on the show. I know the song, but was it, did he ever have anybody that he would say, you know, go to this person or go to this person? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if if Alex Trebek had ever gone. Uh, you know, he just talked to the contestants, right? He didn't have another like side person, like a Vanna White kind of thing, right? It was just him. No, but yeah. I don't know if he ever talked to like the voice guy. Okay, probably not. <laughs> probably not. No. <laughs> probably. Not. I'm just saying. Okay, let's uh, we'll pull back from that and uh, get ready to go into the next station. Okay, so the uh, question uh, I should I should make the clarity my fault. Joanne and Cordelia, very good on that. Who was the first Christian martyr after the resurrection? After the resurrection, who was the first Christian martyr after the resurrection of Jesus Christ? There you go. That'll make that a little easier. Everybody travel over to Acts chapter 7. Um, okay, we got that done. We got that done. We're going to skip on the other part because I want to get back into this teaching. I want you guys to, to catch this. I want you to understand that uh, there are times when on the inside of you, on the inside of me, there's a little bit of overflow. Don't don't, don't be unrealistic. Don't try and uh, – I, I think the Lord is more disappointed with uh, people who are trying to fake it then the the truthfulness of it, when Naomi made her statement about feeling the way that she did, she wasn't trying to do anything but kind of express kind of where she was at. Now that's all going to change, and the Lord's going to show her that that her you know the perception and her interpretation is not correct. But it's not abnormal for believers to go, "Come on, Lord." That's not a weird thing, and I don't want you to think when you do that, God's up there going, where's my lightning bolt? i got to strike that person, okay? Listen to what Job said in Job chapter 7, verse 11. Therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak out in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. What he's going through is disappointment. It's with life. It's with others. It's with himself. It's with what God's allowing. And so he has to deal with what? Anger and resentment and bitterness and all jealousies and envies and all these things. And at the moment, he's complaining. And he's not doing good. Now, remember, first two chapters, Job did great. Next 29 chapters, not that great. And so the the idea behind this is to understand that he's just pouring it out. I want to show you where the sin really comes into play. This is the part. Now, complaining is a sin and will send you right to the pit of hell. Okay, If you persist in it, Without repenting, you got your own, it's your own problem. But I want you to get the core of what God is teaching is the problem when our frustration busts through. It's in Job 32, 1 through 2. So the three men stopped answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. But Elihu, the son of Abuzite of the family of Ram, became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. That is the big sin in humanity. Right there. The sin is we're, we didn't do anything. No, we're not wrong. God, you're wrong. You let this happen. Or what? Uh, it's not my fault. 
It's your fault, God, because you're in charge. The whole premise behind Job's rebuke from God, the reason that's in the scripture is because without saying it to anybody else, when you complain and that bitterness of spirit comes out, you're actually justifying yourself rather than God. And of all the things that you know about all the people that you know, you know within yourself just a ton of sin. Just You just know it. Just, just Without even trying, you just know. It might not be as bad as other people, but it's bad enough, and you know it is. And it's just like then justifying that before a perfect God, before an absolute holy God, is pretty bad thinking. And so where where I find my own guilt, my own, you know, I got my own pride issues. I have my own, it's not just pride, by the way. I've got all those other goofy things that most people go through. It's when I come before the Lord and I, it's not even the complaining, the way I complain it. It's almost like the spirit with with I with with which I approach him and go, "Really, you're gonna let this happen? Really?" <laughs> it's kind of like that attitude, and that is a disguise of exactly what Job did. <laughs> just, that's me justifying myself. Haven't I gone through enough? Haven't I been through enough rubbish? Isn't there enough? Do I have to give up more? It's just like it's that thing right there. I do that. I'm sure I'm the only person on radio who ever does that. And the idea behind that is that there should be an acknowledgement that we are justifying ourselves. That Naomi was justifying herself. Job was justifying himself. Instead of justifying God, who's perfect, merciful, gives us life, gives us breath, and we are entitled to nothing. We're not even entitled to the first breath, let alone the second breath, let alone the millionth breath. And we're telling him, you could be doing better. You're not doing very good at your job, you know. <laughs> That's what you're telling God. That's what we're doing. Just, you know, okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> I, I just own it. I just said, I, I see no reason to try and tell God I'm not doing that. Oh, I'm doing that. Oh, yes, sir, I'm doing it. I'm bad for it. I apologize for it, okay? And uh, you should do that, too. Who uh, is the first Christian martyr after the resurrection? That'd be Stephen. Stephen was the first Christian martyr after the resurrection. That's what we were going for. We're going to take a break and come back much more. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. Don't go anywhere. The David Spoon Experience is now run by He Must Increase Ministry. What this means is that we are no longer operating as a regular business, but as a nonprofit ministry that is devoted to increasing the ministry of Jesus Christ. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Bible believers, the wounded and forgotten believers, and the not yet believers through biblical truths. We are funded by listeners like yourselves and ministry partners that want to provide sponsorships for the show. Your donations are 100% tax deductible. And the great news is, if you donate to our ministry and help us advance the kingdom of God, we won't give you a thing. That's right, you'll get no special prize or gimmick. 
You won't ever get an anointed Bible or penny in acrylic so that you're never penniless or a guarantee that you'll become rich just because you gave. Your giving will support our unique idea of biblical encouragement. And what you'll receive is a receipt for your giving at the end of the year. It's all about sowing and reaping. Cast your bread upon the water and it will return to you. And if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. But you'll be laying up treasures in heaven. And that's the most excellent place to receive the best return for the longest time on your investment. What happens if you don't give? Nothing except more commercials like this one. Let's spare everyone from more commercials like this one. Go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. And give if you're led to and if you're able to. Let's keep the show going and help increase its time and reach. You must like this show a little bit because, after all, you're hearing this commercial, right? Thank you. What is the David Spoon experience? Here's what it says. The sure way to avoid criticism. To avoid criticism, the article says, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. That was said by a successful and innovative coach of the Philadelphia Flyers hockey team. Now, that's not the only reason I'm reading the article, not because it's just a hockey team uh, coach thing, but here's where uh, here's what it says. Number one, say nothing and become the unwitting victim of everybody else's opinion or point of view. Two, do nothing and just watch life from the sidelines. Three, when our voices remain silent and our actions still, we are nothing. The David Spoon Experience on God Country, Texas, 770 KAAM. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Getting ready for our next trivia question. I want to make sure you guys are ready for this. What what were the names of the two people who lied to the Holy Spirit and then dropped dead? Then drop, boop, down, down. What were the name of the two people? What were their names? What were their names? Extra credit if you can spell it correctly. Uh, what were the names of the people that lied to the Holy Spirit? And bam, down they went. Our number here, 972-445-0770. Plus, you can also text in at 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483, or you can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org, which, by the way, did we already do the website? We already did that, didn't we? Uh, I don't remember. Anyway, don't forget the website. <laughs> it's the hemustincrease.org. Website, hemustincrease.org, hemustincrease.org. Email david at hemustincrease.org. Facebook, he must increase ministry. YouTube, he must increase ministry. All right, now you guys asked for it, (laughs) so here it is. Okay, well, you didn't ask for it, but we have the buzzer ready for the bad jokes that are coming, so just get yourself. You ready for these? These are classic jokes, okay? Ready? Ready? Here we go. Ready? All right. Ready? What was Noah's favorite country record? 
What was Noah's favorite country record? I love a rainy night. Okay. Boy, boy, that got a lot of buzzes. <laughs> All right, somebody calling in. I'll do this next one real quickly, though. Uh, in many ways, the Bible is surprisingly a modern story, like Noah in the Ark. It took him over 40 days to find a place to park. <laughs> okay, she's having too much fun. <laughs> she's having too much fun with the sounds. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, I have one more <laughs> one more that I'm going to do, and then we'll have the person jump on the phone. Uh, a teacher was telling his children's church class that Lot's wife had looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. That's nothing, exclaimed little Holden. Just last week when my mother was driving her car, she looked back and turned into a telephone pole. See, that's pretty good. <laughs> Into a telephone. Okay. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna answer the phone now. <laughs> Let's go ahead. This is David. Who am I talking to? Oh dear, I'm still laughing at the last joke. Oh. Okay. <laughs> that was uh, a good one. Huh? Anyway, um, David, <laughs> it's me again. But I have the answer to the question. Okay, fire away. Fire away. Go ahead. Uh, Ananias in Sephora. That is correct. That is correct. Excellent job. Very, very good. Show how, you know, there's six sins. This is in in, um, Isaiah. I think it's the sixth chapter of Isaiah, but I have to look. No, no, it's Proverbs. Excuse me. There you go. I think it's the sixth chapter of Proverbs, a list. And one of those sins is lying. God hates lying. That's it. And that's what they did. So, there you go. Good job. The church to be pure, but the church is far from pure. I heard uh, where a, um, uh, I'm not a lesbian, but what is the other person? That's why. Anyway, that's why. That's why, Mary. Gave, you got to pray for the yeah. church just to be, just to reflect Jesus more and more. That's what we should be doing. That's how you do it. And instead of you know, people, they'll attack others. Whatever. It's like we need to ask God to help the church look like Jesus. That's what we need yeah, to do. Yeah, it's far from pure. That's it's, for sure. Uh, that's um, why we pray. That's yeah, why we pray. So anyway, All um, right. yeah, yeah, we need to pray. We need to pray for our pastors as they get up and. And not be afraid yeah. to preach to preach what's going on in this world today and how we need to yep. really be faithful to the Lord. Okay, alrighty, bye. Bye bye, Mary. <laughs> okay. Mary wanted to jump in there twice. We'll start calling her Mary again. Okay. All right. So we had our text. That last joke was pretty good. We had our text that we've been talking about. We've been talking about Ruth, chapter 1, 1921. She kind of broke through, had that breakdown. Job also had that take place. Not that unusual. I want to give you this. Now, I don't normally do this, so this is a longer text. So I'm asking for you to be patient while I read this longer text so you can see the process that's going on. Okay. 
This is from Psalm 73. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Verse 2. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There's a truth being declared here, and that is, is God is good to those who are pure in heart. And then the Asaph, the author of this uh, particular psalm, was like, I was right there about to fall over. I was just right there. And the re- tells you the reason why. It's not even, there's nothing weird about this. It's like, uh, I'm looking at the arrogant. I'm looking at the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 4, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. Their pride is something they wear around their neck, like a necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. He's just going on and on about what they're getting away with, okay? And I want you to understand why this is important. Between Naomi and Job— and here in the Psalms from Asaph, you have this understanding, these things are going on, and there is a divine side to things and a human side to things. And this first part of the Psalm, he's telling you, this is the human side of things, and it's frustrating. I mean, listen to this, he's, he's observing the way the evil conceits of their minds that knows no limits, their mouths, uh, their mouths lay claim to heaven, their tongues take possession of the earth. The people turn them, they, they, they say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? I mean, they're mocking God. And then he expresses this in verse 13, and I want you to really hear this. This is the part I want you to concentrate on. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. If I had said I would speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. That's what I want you to get right there. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. The scripture says that secret things belongeth unto the Lord. The things that are revealed are for us to uh, engage with. Our understanding is limited. We are finite. We do not understand why God allows what God allows. We do not grasp what is going on when the Lord allows people around us who don't even fear him to get away with whatever. And we're just like going, I'm going through trial after trial, struggle after struggle. And these people that don't know God, they could care less. They look like they're healthy. They look like they're having a good time. And and I'm really kind of getting upset about this. And this is frustrating me. And then that he says in verse 16, when I tried to understand it, it was oppressive to me. And you think, wow. I mean, that's right in the script. Wow. But there's more scripture, as there always is more scripture to answer these questions. 
So he says in verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Verse 17, listen to this. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their final destiny. All of that that Asaph talks about, all up to verse 17. The first one, he's like, man, God is good to those people who are good. And But for me, verse 2, I almost fell. I mean, I almost dropped off. I almost went off the cliff. And then he goes through verse 3 to 16 going, I'm watching this. I'm looking at this. I'm feeling, I'm feeling frustrated on the inside. I, I'm just not, you know, I'm just not getting what God's doing. And it's, it's, it's driving me kind of nutty. And, and then you have verse 17, till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. And in a verse, days and weeks and months and years of frustration get crushed by the power of the truth. Going into the sanctuary gave clarity to what's really going on. See, we get so wrapped up right so what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to look at that we're going to examine that because the frustration is real but the deliverance is real the truth is we don't know everything that's going on but we have a promise that God has given us to hold on to we can either hold on to it or we can just stew in the foolish we get to choose we just need to choose wisely. All right, we're going to take our break and come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. What is the David Spoon Experience, you say? I'll put it to you like this. Do you love a good joke that's pretty bad? What do you call an animal that doesn't practice what it preaches? Hippocritopotamus. <laughs> Come on. Do you love being able to ask questions, comments, or having someone to pray for you? If you have an opinion, a comment, a thought, or a question, we don't want it to die of loneliness. We want it to have a chance. And last but not least, do you love some trivia? All right, we got our trivia question. Uh, who made clothes out of leaves that were sewed together? Somebody want to answer the trivia question? Oh, okay, hold on. Hold on. Here you go. This is David. Who am I talking to? We're talking to Mary. This is Al. This is Brother Ace. This is Eric. This is Deborah. Now, if that doesn't make you curious, maybe you should tune in and check it out for yourself. Think of me as the big brother that won't go away. <laughs> That's me. Tune in to the David Spoon Experience weekdays at 1.30 p.m. on 770 KAAM. The David Spoon Experience. Again, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Doctor, are you there with us? I'm here with you, David. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here. I got to ask you this question. I'm, 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 you know, I, I get a little fiery, especially when uh, Christians are being accused of things that are uh, false, and that happens all the time, especially in the media. And I think you, if you remember our very first time we ever talked, I told you how impressed I was with you that you are able 
to keep your uh, spirit steady. <laughs> well, I appreciate that so much. You're a good friend. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Here's the thing that drives me absolutely batty, which is where I need your help now. Uh, I understand this uh, situation with uh, with Tim Tebow. He was going to do a dedication for you. He got a lot of pressure, apparently, from the media. The media accused you of being uh, uh, homophobic and anti-Semitic, which for me, I mean— it was. It was. I guess when I first heard it, I was overwhelmed. First of all, anti-Semitic is a person who discriminates against or is prejudiced or hostile towards Jews. You've been on my show now. This is three time, and I'm as Jewish as they come. Yeah, well, David, I mean, the charge of anti-Semitic comes from saying that everyone, including Jews, must trust in Christ in order to go to heaven. Uh, That is hardly anti-Semitic. In fact, I have a Jewish friend in New York who called me this week. She's not a Christian, but she said, I don't understand all of this. said, I don't believe in the New Testament, but you do. You're simply saying what the New Testament says. And, you know, David, we've said before, you know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And I remind people, Jesus was not a Southern Baptist evangelist. He was a Jewish rabbi. And yet you look at what he said, what the Apostle Paul said, the Apostle Peter. Here are the three most prominent men of the New Testament, every one of them a devout Jew, and yet they said there's one way to God, and that's through faith in Christ. That is not anti-Semitic. If Jesus Welcome back not... to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Got one more trivia question, and we are going to do history. We're going to do history because I wrote it, so that's why we're doing it, <laughs> just in case you're trying to figure it out. Here you go. This is a tougher question. Who was the Pharisee who defended, kind of defended, Peter after the Jewish leaders had told him not to preach in the name of Jesus. Who was the Pharisee that was like, slow down, slow down, guys? Who was that Pharisee? If you think you know, you can call 972-445-0770. is the text, and that David at hemustincrease.org would be the email. Okay, let's do a little bit of history. Uh, right now, we'll play our famous song. Let's go living in the past. Let's go living in the past. All right, a couple things to let you know about today. This is not uh, earth-shattering, so everybody relax. It's National Banana Split Day. Ooh. I know I like that. I, not only, good. I Not only do I like Banana Split, I like the cartoons when I was younger. The Banana Split. Oh, yeah. Remember? Na, 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 na. That's how it went. Let's okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's National Park Service Day. Why would that be on a Wednesday? National Park Service Day. Everybody's going to take out work and go to the park? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, they are. Okay. There you go. And then it's uh, National Secondhand Wardrobe Day. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. See, I was four years younger than my brother and six years younger than my sister. So that was. So you got the hand me downs? No, that was never going to happen. No. (laughs) (laughs) By the time it came around to me, it was like, that style's gone. That style's gone. That style's gone. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, For those that don't know, on this day in 1609, the first telescope is demonstrated by Galileo. Mm. I did not know that. 
Uh, also, for those that do not know, uh, 1996, Tiger Woods won the U.S. Golf Amateur Championship. Seems like it's so long ago. It's no, it like, seems like he's been around you know, forever. forever. That's so true. And then uh, 1939, The Wizard of Oz. People are going, don't talk about The Wizard of Oz. Oh, be quiet. It's a movie. Uh, Frank Baum's book, The Wizard of Oz, released starting Judy Garland as Dorothy, Terry, and Terry as Toto. I did not know that Toto was named Terry. How confusing for the poor little puppy. <laughs> and Toto, too? Yes. yes. No, Toto, Terry. too. Toto, Terry, too. And Terry, too. <laughs> Buddy Epson was originally cast as the Tin Man had to quit because he had an allergic reaction to the silver makeup. I think I knew that. That is, I just <laughs> find that fascinating. All right. Uh, we've done that. We've done that. Uh, trivia question. Uh, now, I'm going to challenge. Some people are going to get that wrong. I want to make sure you think about this for those who are answering quickly because this is going to be in the book of Acts. Uh, who was the Pharisee who defended Peter after the Jewish leaders had told him, uh, not to preach in the name of Jesus, uh, but we're doing about half and half right, half and half wrong. Let me finish up on this uh, text. I want to make sure you understand where we're going with this. I'm not trying to encourage you to complain, so please do not interpret it that way. I am simply expressing that there are times where things go popping out of our hearts and minds that are um, maybe pressure cooker leaks, okay? Small leak in a balloon. It happens. It's not it's not a unrealistic. It, it it takes place. It's identified in scripture. It's something that that takes place because sometimes you just can't get it, you're not understanding it, or it's frustrating. Or uh at the end of it all, it's it's you know, it's like oppressive to try and think about how this all works together because you're a finite person, I'm a finite person, God's an infinite being, and uh you can't take infinite and put it in finite for an understanding point of view. It just doesn't fit. So at the end, as we talked about as we were exiting, we talked about verse 17, till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. It's really important to understand that what took place for Asaph is that he walked in the church, yeah, or the temple, and he realized, hey, you know what's going on? All those people are going to hell. <laughs> those people. And I'm not trying to make light of that. I'm saying he dawned on him, they hate God. They don't want to spend eternity with God, so they won't. And that's what changes the attitude. You think, well, what do you you mean? In the face of eternity, and I've taught this before, I'll teach it all the days that I can. In the face of eternity, many frustrations lose their power. In the face of eternity, many frustrations lose power. Their power. Romans 8.18, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In Romans 8, where everybody's quoting Romans 8.28, all things work together for good, which could also apply, Paul also wrote by the verbal plenary process of the Holy Spirit, you know, what we're going through, it, you just can't even put it on the same scale. As where we're going. That's what he said. So you can't even put it on, the, not even on the same planet, not even in the same realm. And again, 2 Corinthians 4 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What we're going through, and we don't get it, and it's frustrating, and it's up, and it's down, is doing more for us than we 
even know. And how Asaph came to that is he went to the temple. Because there, the presence of God was there, the people of God were there, and it's like, oh yeah, people of like mind, people who have that same attitude, who have faith, oh yeah, and it's reinforcing and it encourages us. And what I want you to catch is, now I'm a guy that's been burned in church. I mean, I have an entire book about being burned in church called Broken for His Glory. That whole point is, wow, that was a drag, but that's not going to keep me away from fellowship or from engaging in churches because when you go into the fellowship and you go into the churches and you go into the sanctuaries, there's a renewal of the power and understanding of your eternity, which makes everything just a little less frustrating. I was like, well, that's, that's a definite benefit. Second Chronicles 30, ch- chapter 30, verse 8 says this, Do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were. Submit to the Lord. Come to the sanctuary. It's like, wow. That's the Old Testament. <laughs> it's like, how much more is that true now? And so it's like you think, well, wow, that is just, why? Because there's benefit. And then the other part of that is God did create you in the faith for a purpose to help other people, which is really difficult to do if you never leave your house. <laughs> Tough to love your neighbor when you won't even, you know, hang out. The idea behind this is to see that that process we go through as regular human beings, has their it has moments. I go through it. I think everybody. I, I've never met anybody that that hasn't gone through it. Uh, you just you get frustrated. You're just like ah. the biggest key in these things is number one to remember never to justify yourself. Always justify God. Doesn't matter if you understand it. He's got something cooking way beyond our ability to understand barbecue. Okay, God's got something cooking on the barbecue fifty trillion times better than what you can come up with. And he allows what he allows for a reason. He's not saying you're not good, or he's not saying he doesn't love you, the kind of process. He's just accomplishing his purposes, and you're a part of that process. So never justify yourself before God. Never even seek to justify. Acknowledge God. Surrender to God. Number two, keep eternity in mind. Because when you keep eternity in mind, it just reduces—we used to talk about this back in the old days, like 40 years ago. You get an electric bill from from what was APS, Arizona Public Service, and in August, it was inevitably $500. And it was just—you know, because it it's, uh, was Phoenix, and it was 118 degrees, and it was just, it was just horrible, right? But the irony is, 100 years from that moment, that electric bill would have no bearing on anything. Why? Because in eternity, it doesn't mean a thing. Just irrelevant. So you want to make sure never to justify yourself. Always acknowledge and justify God. Number two, keep eternity in the picture. Keep eternity in the mind. And number three, go to the sanctuary where that's reinforced. That God is just, he knows what he's doing, and that eternity for us is going to be so fantastic Eye is not seen, neither is ear heard, neither is entered into the hearts of men the things which God has prepared. You can't even come up with it. 
I mean, it's just so beyond us. He paints a picture in Revelation. That's not the fullness of the picture. That's just a picture. All we know for sure is that on the bottom floor of everything, the asphalt, it's gold. So everything is above. Like, okay, I'm, I'm all for that. So those are the three things that I'm saying. And I'm, and I'm not trying to tell you, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or any weird thing like that. I'm trying to say there are times where our pressure cooker goes. So there's three answers to that. Never justify yourself. Always justify God. Always make sure that the righteousness points towards him. Number two, always keep eternity in mind. And number three, keep connected to the sanctuary so that you can have the first two reinforced. Because that's where you find that. And you will find out that in all the struggles you go through, if you take whatever it is you're going through and just slap eternity right next to it, you'll go, oh, yeah, forget that. Because it won't matter in a thousand years. Okay? All right. Gamila, 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 you know, the guy with the G-A-M-A-L-I-E-L guy, Gamila, that guy, that was the guy. (laughs) That's your trivia answer. See how scholarly we are here? All right, folks, you've been listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break, 22 and a half hours, then we'll be back. More Insanity with Spoonanity. Talk to you then. Views and opinions expressed in the preceding program are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors.